Okay, so I think I'm going to shave my head. You're going to shave your head. Maybe, maybe. So okay. here's the thing. Is this when you go bald, there's a company called Shave Your Head, Grow Goatee? No, no. I already have a beard on my Grow Goatee. So <laughs> thank you, Darby. Uh, Darby. <laughs> oh, no, no. Unless you want to add a bunch of great Christian rock things on there. Gomer, so Gomer got a new mixing board, so get ready for all this stuff. So your old boy, Luke, has this thing called CVG. Re- Hello, oh, Rebecca from Canada is here. So everyone's here on our Patreon. They, uh, sometimes we give them access to record the live shows pretty much when we're in good moods, and it's always last minute. So <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to get to tear or anything like that. So we're just saying hello to everyone that's in the chat right now. If you can join us over on Patreon, you can, you can get access to ex- exclusive um, merch for everyone who joins and upgrades during the month of May. It's a really cool design of the Catching Foxes stuff. So I know, and Nat just said it's not time. I'm doing the thing that I don't like it when I do, which is I read the chat and I'm responding to the chat, but I love to do that. But I don't like it. For, it's not good podcasting, so I need to stop. Can you see my eyes flittering back and forth? I know. The chat. <laughs> this is such bad podcasting, but it's I love them so much. I just I love hanging out with all of our so anyways we need to organize how we're gonna because we're gonna do some stuff where we're hanging out with people at least once a month we have to organize all that stuff oh gosh someone come and be our project manager for free so Gomer mm. you, your boy needs to cut his hair and it's I'm getting tired of it I can't get the right length and here's the thing I have a thing called CVG there's a real term for it for like these little like fold or like flaps you know I get these weird lines in my head in my head sorry. Yeah, not both of them, just the one. Yeah, <laughs> looks kind of brainish. Yeah, and so it's uh, it was a fun thing to discover when I shaved my head back in 2006. So basically, it's what caused me to go bald early and blah 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 blah. Okay, yeah, I, I did a bunch of deep deep dive stuff on it, probably linked to ADHD and blah blah blah. Anywho, there's a way that I could shave my head. I have to use a certain thing, like one of those like. It's like a fill-up thing where it has the three little things on the top. And you just have to like kind of like hold your skin like like it's not weird, but to like make sure you're getting into like the little the crevices. Yeah, pretty much. And <laughs> it will because what what happens is like if I just use a razor, even if I try to but they're actually tried to pick it, so I don't really know. But if I just use a razor, there's still some hair there and it makes it way more pronounced. So but I saw this thing where if you use like Phillips, I get I don't know like what it's called. Oh, like the Norelco thing, the yes. three headed, yeah, 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 yeah. It will get that, and it's still there, but it looks more like Terry Crews than it, like as he's got it. Oh yeah, yeah. So I'm like, okay, so maybe this won't look bad. So I'm kind of tempted to do that. Okay. What do you think? I think you should absolutely. Is summer the time to do that? Summer is the best time to do it. I also would suggest that you. Get a big hat, like a big, like a wide-brimmed hat. But I, I, I have a gigantic head, and most hats don't fit me. Right, 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 which is why you need a gigantic wide-brimmed hat, <laughs> such as they use in lawn maintenance services in Texas. But I don't want to be that guy going around with a hat that big. <laughs> well, so, it's one or the other, Luke. You You're either going to be a lobster <laughs> or an old man with a hat. Well, if I use Darby's advice for how to take care of my skin which was very in-depth very lengthy there's a lot of work so it kind of i'm more like oh boy i'm not sure i can keep this up but 
maybe I can have my cake and eat it too. Mm. I if I could maybe I just need to order a custom like hat. I just don't know if I'd look good in like a normal hat. I look stupid. I look stupid with it. Yeah, no. The, yeah, you look absurd. The perfect hat uh, season for me was 2000 hat season period of my life for hats was in 2006 to 2008, 9ish, where maybe more like 2004. Remember that kind of like not like grungy look, but it was that like knit hat that you could yeah. have. Like that was like that cuz it would expand. It was perfect. It was perfect. Mm. I look great in that. Should have worn that all the time. So many girls. Oh man. Speaking of girls, I was in a Shakespeare play. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Listen, you get two minutes. Okay. It's good, but it's not uh, that interesting. Uh, okay. So back to wrinkly head. Don't want to take <laughs> away time from scalp wrinkles and Norelco razors. No, please. Please. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. No, no, no. I mean, my kids, I mean, they just are Shakespearean actors, born naturals. It's fine. Fine. No, just real. I mean, I will do it real quick. I'll do it real quick. I'm fine. We did a Shakespeare festival. My mom came. My dad came. I had to warn my mom. I'm like, Mom, you have a shattered tibia. You're in a wheelchair. Their bathrooms aren't necessarily ADA compliant. So it'd be very difficult to get your wheelchair to a portable. I mean, they have a wheelchair ramp, but it's like just enough of a lip that it would it would be hard. But we I live 10 minutes from church. So they were able to take a break. My dad out of the sun away from you know, because he has skin cancer, and my mom keeps making him go on cruises during the summer. <laughs> I told you that where he goes, I think your mother's trying to kill me. And I was like, what? And he kind of half joking, and he goes, well, you know how I have skin cancer, right? She always wants to go on cruises in the Caribbean during the summer. And I was like, yeah, no, she's trying to kill you, Dad. Um, <laughs> oh, no. Yes, Not yes, Don yes. Gormley. Ah, yeah, legends can never die. But you, can, you, can. you think a little son? You think a little son could stop Don Gormley over here? So we uh we went. I own six blocks of South Philly still. <laughs> I get the kickbacks <laughs> when I show up. They give me free food. You know what I'm saying? Because it ain't free, not to them. <laughs> no. So uh, I show up at the festival with my wife. My kids are already there warming up, and the lady who's in charge of it walks up to me and she goes, "Mike, look at what they wrote for the program." And I was like, "Oh, this is great." It said the short version, the slightly less short version, and then the longer short version with analysis right she, she goes i want you to read the short version for the little kids because it tells the whole play but it's like two people love each other then they don't two people who don't love each other then they do in the end everyone loves each other and they all get married and then there's a slightly less short version and so she tells me literally five minutes before the show starts oh and by the way we decided to put all the narrator lines back in in the middle of the play not just at the beginning and at the end and I want you to stand in front. Like, I'm going to narrate from a chair. And then she <laughs> oh goes, I want God. you to stand in front and read these things that were just written and printed out like mere minutes before. And I'm like, I got to do what now? So then this I go in. theater. <laughs> so I talk with the past. I got to oh, inter- You did not say I got to do what? You had the biggest grin. You were thrilled. What? Don't- I have to stand and project. How can I do that now? Let's, oh. like, usually I charge $1,000 a day for this lady. So, yes. Yes, I will do it for free for a bunch of strangers. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, the thing is they weren't really strangers because most of our kids and our parents and grandparents and siblings of the kids in the play, the kids who I've spent the last two weeks with, <laughs> you know, getting ready for the play. Kids, you're doing a little like thing backstage where everyone's putting their hands. You're like, okay, it's been a long two weeks, but you got this on three. Go. Team, go. Team, 
go team go yeah so you're not entirely wrong oh <laughs> my gosh i went back was there it and Shakespeare? i was like you were like thou shall go thou shall go thou shall go <laughs> no i said all right guys listen i know you're nervous there's a whole group of people out there waiting to see you but just remember what if you only got one shot <laughs> one opportunity <laughs> are you gonna take it That's right, kids. Early 2000s rap is where it was. Spaghetti, 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 spaghetti. And then I said, four on three, one, two, three, four. And then I went out there, and the pastor's like, and now we're going to invite Michael Gormley to come on out and introduce. And I'm like, oh, here we go. So then I went out there and did it, and it was silly, and it was was fun. But my kids, oh, my goodness, these kids, they sucked (gasps) two weeks before. (laughs) They were okay three days before. They were pretty good. The day before. They did it three times the day before the play. Three times in a row, the whole play. And they didn't do it once under two, two and a half hours. Supposed to be an hour-long play. Then it comes. Like this one guy, I'm like, can you show some emotion with your face? Could you maybe, you see the colon? Take a breath. Maybe pause. Because it's just one run-on sentence. I'm like yelling at all these kids. I got no patience anymore. And then. We go through it and we do it. You've got a turtleneck. You've got a little chair. You've oh. got you've got a oh, cigarette. I got turtlenecks for yeah. days. I actually went. I skipped over being theater man and I went full Angela Angelica Houston from John Wick three uh, in front of the ballet dancers <laughs> again, again. <laughs> then I burned a crucifix into some kid's back. He was mouthing off. It was fine. So we did this great. I mean, it was it, the kids. Just you know, it's one of those things where they feel silly pretending in front of their friends but then when it's yeah. a show it's not pretend anymore it's real you know so mm-hmm. all the silliness they just disappeared i mean like literally just disappeared so yeah so they did much ado about nothing i'm glad to see in the in the chat some of our patreon supporters diving into king lear and going through much ado about nothing but i i just i i can't say like i absolutely love this my kids and then the middle schooler or the elementary kids at four o'clock did because it was like supposed to be an all-day festival right so at one and then at four my son noah and my daughter cecilia did their and who are my shyest kids like painfully shy you know cecilia we've talked about before with their generalized anxiety disorder all that stuff dude it was as if they were they they just owned it they crushed it they were loud <laughs> the at one point father fletcher came up to me and he goes you know it's kind of funny uh half the time these elementary schools are silent praise plays because the kids are so quiet you can't hear what the heck they're saying he goes and then the gormley kids showed up and no one gave them the memo unfortunately one of the actresses who is awesome very loud voice very in character she got sick the day before the play. oh you hate to little see girl that. little girl yeah she was puck if anyone knows the story of midsummer night's dream and she just so good at i mean like dancing and singing and doing her lines she got sick so one of the high school students who did that role last year, she did the role. And then in the narration, some of the narration lines were actually Puck's lines that were given to the narrator or I don't know, something like that. And so she just came up to me and she's like, you're the narrator, right? And I'm like, I have never once done narration through the whole play. But yes. No, like I've never, like I've, whenever I practice with the kids, like we've done a little bit here, a little bit there, but we've never gone, I've never been with them going from beginning to end of the play. And I had to narrate all this stuff, and everything was, like, scratched out of my script and said, puck, instead of narrating. So I had to find all that stuff. 
but in the end, you know, it was fun. It was silly. It was great. The high schoolers at the end of the day, they did 12th night or what you will. And it was so fun. It was so fun that the following night they did an encore performance on Sunday night at 7:30, And my kids begged me to take them to that. So we went again for the second time for as you like it. So oh, that's awesome. what you will, whatever that was called. Nice. I'm, I'm glad that that went well. Maybe we can have a staged Catching Foxes production, which which will be we will announce it, get some people involved, and then never do anything. Yeah, that sounds cool. Yeah, I like it. I like that. I love Shakespeare so much. Hey, what do you real quick? What do you think about my bookshelves? I think it looks great. I think I actually really do like it. I'm jealous. I need, I need to get some new bookshelves. In, in Facebook here. Marketplace. I know. I just yeah, fifty bucks. You're acting like you just. <laughs> I've never. I've been off Facebook for so long. Shannon's like, just go on this has been around for like ten years. I know, I know, but this is the funny thing. The Shannon way that goes, you said it was like face Facebook oh, marketplace. You dumb. F- <laughs> <laughs> like, Have I got a secret for you, young sir? Yes, yeah, like, a little company known as Bookface. I believe like, that's what they call. Why does every like youth evangelist also act like an Apple evangelist? Do they just like telling people what to do? <laughs> yes. Yes. That was funnier in my head. I apologize. And they like yeah. dressing in t-shirts. So, okay, speaking of clothes, time to take Gomer to the woodshed. Oh, no. <laughs> what I do? Okay, so remember two weeks ago, I left for a bit, and you were like, here's the thing about Luke that I hate. If Luke's not into it, he gets very angry, which is no, true. No, no, you, sh- you, you crap. Oh, okay. I, that's not, you're not arguing that. Okay, go on. Go like, on. No, no, go on right. about the that. bad friend. I was like, I don't, I do do that. And I felt so bad somewhat. <laughs> yeah. I felt so bad sort of, but not enough to change. And I was like, oh, Gomer's right. I'm not going to change that. But uh, the next thing was you told a story about how I took all of your, all of your clothes. And I, had a I big didn't say, pile. I didn't say you took all of my clothes. What I said was all of your clothes vomited and spiritually multiplied out of the hamper it's true and then you started taking my that's clothes. true okay yeah. there is a caveat to this that's okay that's very important okay our friend gina was over at the project house because everyone would just come and come to the project house classic and- gina flamenco dancer yeah Go gina you know, straight out of jersey gina so straight out of jersey gina goes hey luke you need to lose weight no i don't know how we got on this topic i think i'd lost some weight because i was playing rugby i was like i want to lose more weight she's like oh i need to tell you about the south beach diet i've got a book so she brings the book over i do the south i I did the south beach diet over the summer which was like basically i was drinking and not eating any carbs one time i ate a pound of cheese from walmart so anyways you ate a whole wheel of cheese i'm not even mad i'm impressed (laughs) a pound of cheese from walmart in one sitting i miss (laughs) college so much and i was drinking and i lost like 20 pounds i was drinking i mean i didn't stop i probably a lot a lot and I lost 20, 20 pounds. So you were in Austria. So what had yes. happened was I ran out of clothes. And I was like, oh, I'll just steal this one shirt from, from Gomer. He's gone. And I was like, oh, this fits. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. So it's amazing like, that it fits because you're a solid two to three inches taller. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So like it was like it was tight, but it was like the like, oh, like you look like you're in shape kind of tight. And so this is like, there are two periods of time where I looked really good. It would have been this period of time and then a little over the summer, fall of 2011 and then 2013 into 2014. So anyways, and hopefully into t- for some of 2023. So what you did, did you see the one picture? How much weight I've lost? Jeez. I look terrible. 
Okay. Oh, man. I look horrible, so, actually. Uh, remind me of that. Okay. Oh, gosh. We're never. Hey, chat, remind us of the photo that Luke was referencing. Yeah, it is. Because like, I I'll forget it. But there's something else I want to talk about that. Okay. So what was actually happening was I needed clothes to wear. And I was like, but I saw you stole one of your shirts because you were either in Austria, you had just left, or you were going to Austria, but you weren't there over the summer anymore. So what happened was I didn't steal your clothes. I just borrowed your shirts one after another for like a month. <laughs> so I just started it. Then, then they became part of like my laundry. Every intention of having them back in your drawers before you got back, which then never happened. There's like a picture of me in your I'm not a I'm a ninja. You can't see me shirt. It's like two years later. <laughs> <laughs> I got like a restaurant with Christina and 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 Emily. And I remember when that was, I was like, I was I'm pretty sure that was when I had my internships. That would have been 2007. Man. Like, so you weren't there. You that's why I that's why I took them because I was going to give them back. It's right. not like all of a sudden you just saw your clothes there. It's that you got back from Austria, your clothes were all gone and they were in my hand. <laughs> Fair enough, fair enough. Yeah. Time plays tricks on our memory. Quick correction. But do you remember a YouTube channel from way back when called Ask a Ninja? Vaguely, vaguely. Okay. Like, I just loved funny things about ninjas. There was a, that was like a definite period of my life. A definite, like you're referencing the shirt. Mm-hmm. And then Ask a Ninja, I watched everything. I even bought merch from them. Was, was, anyway. So... We're in this weird period of time. Like YouTube to me still feels like a new thing for the yes. most part. Yeah, yeah. But here's the thing: it's not. YouTube has been around for a long time. So if we were where we were, like, like what? I think, um, I think that YouTube was released 2005, 2004, December fifteenth, two thousand and five. Yeah, eh, thirty thousand visitors a day. Kalen to call. I remember seeing it somewhere in 2005. That's when I started to go to it. So that means it's 18 years old. It can December 15th of 2005. So the last month, the last half of the last month. So it can't of, buy of, cigarettes, but it will be able to soon. <laughs> YouTube now feels like it. So you know, if, if if it comes, if it had came out when we were in college, that means it would have been released in what, like when we were born, 83. So that's weird. Like it would have always just been around. So it it's weird to think back now on a lot of those early YouTube things. And I look back on them with like such fondness. But when you go back and you watch them, it's, they seem so dated and so old. Yeah. And I'm like, no, 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 no. This is still kind of new. And I'm like, not really, Luke. Not really. Like my favorite thing from, er, from early on is interrupting cow. You remember the thing where the guy was like, moo, like what? interrupting totally uncalled for he goes interrupting the guy just slaps him in the face <laughs> so i watch it like fifty thousand times oh man we need some topics i don't remember what was that interrupting oh. yeah it was so funny knock knock who's there interrupting completely uncalled for interrupting completely <laughs> that was awesome <laughs> oh he smacked the crap out of that yeah. So could you not hear it? Could you not hear it over your headphones? No, I, no, it's oh. coming out of my other speaker, but I'm still watching because I love this so much. Man. <laughs> Just smacks him right in the face. Like, I I swear. Okay, so that came out 16 years ago. I have watched that. I'm amazed only 8.7 million. I, like, I remember when that came out. We all just thought it was the greatest thing in the world. Yeah. Just, and... It just feels so dated. Like you, you like you look at that, those clothes, the haircuts, 
they seem so familiar, but they're of a different time. Like I would not yeah. like, and it just, it's like, wow, this is really happening. We've really aged out of this. Like we're, we're far beyond this, this stuff now. So I feel special because I was in the first 50 million views of Gangnam style. <laughs> first 50 million. <laughs> I mean, that, that thing has three or four billion that's true that's true and it came out when do you think that song came out that smash korean oh my gosh i i couldn't even tell you it came out in uh july 15th well like that's just crazy well i I mean like think about how many fads have come and gone it's and here's the thing it's just so like like there was what did the fox say again could have really used that that would have been helpful and then I got her like, could have really used what? I don't know. Uh, this these are such garbage topics here. I feel like I've got something good, but this is us just warming up everyone. Yeah, no, I just think it's fascinating when you start to look at like these were the biggest videos of all time. Four point seven billion views ten years ago. Like that's shocking. This thing that I remember that feels like yesterday. I mean, but they got it was. I think Gangnam Style like reached a billion, right? It's at 4.7. Billion. No, but I mean, like, but the thing yeah. about it was when it crossed the billion threshold, people were like, this is crazy. It was one of the first ones to hit a billion. Like, I cannot, what's really, really interesting is I cannot believe how low the view counts are for completely uncalled for. It's only 8.7 million, but I remember that being, ev- I mean, all over Facebook, yeah. we were all uh, sharing it with each other. I remember watching it with, with people. I remember showing it to people. Do you do people show stuff to their friends now, or is it all just shared? Like, is the, do you still have the collective experience of your friends being together and going, "Oh my gosh, we need to watch this"? Nope, nope. Uh, the last I heard, people who are teenagers just have been pods, and the pods have screen walls, and they float in a vat, and they have catheters, and they never interact. They are living their best Wally life. Yeah, well, not even Wally, just full matrix. Well, okay, so I was about to actually ask, like. Ask Darby that because she would have been our age post college, and I feel like for the most part we were still we would share that with each other on Facebook, but we were all like like either almost living together or hanging out as well. And I remember doing this like during that time too. And Darby said, "No, you just almost sent it to them via DM on Instagram or or, or text." Yeah, do you not do that now? I do. I you know what's funny? I think I wonder if this is what I'm actually kind of getting at. I. This is tough. Like, okay, so one of the benefits of all of this stuff is like we're all still doing this, and we get to chat over text. We get to chat. We get to chat over a um rivers type thing. But like, wouldn't you rather be doing this in person? Yeah, I would too. Yeah, actually, this is the thing that really, really sucks, and it does scare me. If we had the opportunity to do catching foxes in person, I don't know if I would take that offer up. I would want to, but it would really have to be worth it. There's a lot of ick with human interaction. Well, but we're in such a groove with yeah. this now. But I think it would be better for me as a person if we did this in person. I think that the two of us would be better on human beings, probably ever so slightly. I don't think it would be. I don't think it'd be a gigantic thing. But I think it would be better for us as human beings to do this in person and with our guest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but like yeah. we we couldn't do it un, like unless a person paid for us to do this like we would i mean honestly in order to justify the time no that's what frad does right that's what frad when he did the matt frad show the whole point was we gotta we gotta personally have humans 
like interacting eye to eye. And then we went there and we recorded with him and then we had to stop the recording to urinate. It was, but it was, I would so much, I had, I felt like I got to know Matt so much better during that time period and, and, and the times that like we have hung out. And I think it's made when we chat online or like over the phone, like a little bit better, but I, I would rather like, but here's the thing. How much do you think would we need to get paid in order to justify doing that? Well, it, I, okay. Like just be very, um, just, let's just be very blunt about like what, what we would need. Cause I, I actually have a number in mind. Yeah. You need around, I think. A thousand Patreons, ten dollars. I think so too. Yeah, that's the number. I think, I think so when too. Brad hit, then said, "I can quit, and I have enough money left over." To that, so that you know, it is funny when you stop and and step back. From I, I know some people don't like uh, the right wing bent that Matt has always been, but you know, kind of gone down even more. And now that he's being interviewed by Ben Shapiro, and all that stuff, but. Don't forget he, us. <laughs> Take some of that Ben Shapiro money immediately. <laughs> what did he say? He said within the first like thirty seconds, he had thirteen thousand live views. When or Ben Shapiro did when they did that, and he was like that's crazy. Cheesy um, Pete, right? Ben Shapiro has Don't forget more. Us, please. He has more <laughs> subscribers on than I think than NBC and ABC combined. Something like that. It was some stat Holy that cow. I just heard from. Uh, yeah, there was an M- MSNBC anchor who who threw that out there. But anyway, Brad was. I remember when he was working for Integrity Restored, doing the pornography thing, becoming Mr. You know, anti-porn guy. And he hit that mark with Pints of Aquinas and said, okay, I get it. I can now fully fund like insurance, my family, have an income, and then whatever's left over, I'm just going to dump in this new thing called Patreon. And he, uh, like, honestly, like, I try to think of some other Catholic person that is on his level. I mean, obviously, Trent Horn was well established beforehand, right? Mm-hmm. But Trent Horn, and so, and Trent Horn has a Patreon and all that stuff. But like, I don't think anyone has built their career as much as Matt Frad has through podcasts, mm-hmm. like yeah. standalone. I would agree. I really, I really admire. Yeah, I think it's yeah. Well, I, so we're not getting to like the, what I want to get to though, which is like, what would we, what would we need? I think it'd be two thousand prep. I think it'd be two thousand dollars per episode. That's the only way that we could um, justify it. Yeah, like that's how much. <laughs> and like, you've you been doing the math on that a lot lately, haven't you, Luke? <laughs> I sure have. Yeah, you're not saying you want our Patreon supporters to give us two thousand dollars per episode. I absolutely am. <laughs> no, no. What you're saying? <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, well, that yeah. would be awesome. No, but but the the idea of like in order to step out into this. And fly people in and do it in person. Person, that'd be yeah. And I'm not even saying do it. I'm just saying do it in person. Do it to where yeah. like like I think we both have jobs where that could be that that actually could be possible for us to to do that. But that'd be the only way we'd, we'd have to. What Luke? I have a job that I can. <laughs> I just wake up and do Shakespeare. <laughs> I just wake up and I. You live. know what my job is? <laughs> my job is pretending to do shakespeare i said dance step I, one an, two three not dance step one two three four <laughs> <laughs> that's what's next is that um simpsons mm-hmm. episode where the guy's like i'm smoking like no i uh but yeah. like yeah i need to get one of those i need to number one i need to start smoking cigarettes and then number two <laughs> i great. need to start smoking it with uh with one of those long filter things mm-hmm. i've always that's wanted to I do that mean. haven't done that haven't had a reason to do that I remember I smoked um, um, cigarettes out in Paris or not, but I would like to do that at some point in time before I die. I just would feel cool. I want to like um, read a book. I want to be in a cafe and I want to have a cappuccino and I want to like have a cigarette to be like, oh man, yeah, Luke, you're cool. And then, you know, die. 
Yeah, with your shaved head and your God is not an American. God is not an American. Hat. Be like, we've White come full circle, hat. haven't we? <laughs> <laughs> ah! But and and like, I sometimes I, like going back to like the, kind of the, the the point of all this though, which is like, it just sucks that sometimes you have to pay to be human. But we're also like we put ourselves in this position. You know, we could have done podcasts with people that were more local. We didn't have to do this with each other. We could have done it where we, you know, maybe like we're choosing to do this this way. So how much yeah. of this is like so for me to be like, oh, my gosh, techne, uh, like we make a lot of money off of techne, you know, <laughs> like like we've done. We've really been very blessed. We, and I, 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 like take away all like, you know, of the money stuff. Like by far the most important thing is like which I, I don't even really to be honest. I mean, I, j- I joke about th- about the money, but I feel like that's all I'm, I'm talking about. So I want to make sure that people understand that's n- not really that that important. What to me is a thousand times more important. What I really I'm thinking about is just like how enjoyable this has been. Yeah, like truly, that's 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 the best part. And how and so I, I don't want to. I would never if I given the option, I will always take this every time. I wouldn't even think twice about it. Right. Like right. if if it's this or nothing, it's a tough thing to to try to try to navigate. Hmm. Right? Indeed. Indeed. Hey, I'm here to talk to you about net at netusa.org slash apply. So you guys may have heard me talk about on the podcast in the past that one of my biggest regrets is that I didn't do net. I think I really would have loved it. I almost went to net Australia, I think, or something. It was talked about. Uh, my friend Danielle called it. Maybe net island. I don't remember. It was like 20 years ago. Anyways, I have worked with net in the past for other projects I've been a part of. I've been to their home campus. They're a fantastic organization. One of the most impressive I've ever been with an organization was actually when I went to go and visit net from top to bottom. Just awesome, amazing people. And they are calling you today to apply to be a net missionary. If you or, or someone you know could serve to be a net missionary, please tell them about this link, netusa.org slash apply. The reality is that young people today are growing up in a largely post-Christian culture, making choosing the faith all the more difficult. A vast majority of Catholic youth are disconnecting from the church during their teenage years. Net Ministries is passionate about challenging young Catholics through relational ministry to follow Christ and embrace a life of community in the church. That's why working alongside youth ministers, parishes, and schools, Net Missionaries help young people encounter the person of Christ through evangelization and discipleship. As a net missionary, you will meet young people who need to hear your particular story. Your journey with the Lord matters. You can be an example to young people of how to make the faith their own, allowing Christ to enter into their lives. Your story has a purpose. The Lord has a call for you. If you're between the ages of 18 to 28 and interested in serving the Lord as a net missionary, Go to netusa.org slash apply. That's netusa.org slash apply and fill out an application. Not able to apply yourself? Share about Net's mission with a young adult in your life and encourage them to apply today. That's netusa.org slash apply. N-E-T-U-S-A, U-S-A, U-S-A, N-E-T-U-S-A dot org slash apply. Go check out netusa.org slash apply and and become a net missionary. This is the Lord calling you to do it. Do it. Luke said so. Yeah, my my hope is that this current job that I'm shifting enables me to develop a rhythm where it's like, you know, like catching foxes, 
search on Monday, emails go out to, you know, people who want to bring me in for a parish mission. You should do that, leevangelist.com. Every knee shall bow. No, Catching Foxes on Tuesday. Every knee shall bow on Monday. And just develop this rhythm where I'm getting a week ahead that if I have a difficult week of traveling, an extra burden of, like, trying to write something or produce something, that I have the freedom to kind of do that and navigate. You are not a week ahead. Right. And so my, I mean, but that's my hope, right? Like my yeah, hope yeah, is yeah. Yeah. that you and I have this great pace. I don't know. I guess the administrative side of my parish job was one of my favorite components and the most taxing. I understand that like as a manager with my employees, I don't know if you know this. I had like 13 <laughs> employees. So you just... I don't have any now. I don't have any now. It's so now I'm like, you. so now I'm like you. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> But the idea of like... You still can't find time to do the stuff I asked you to do this month. No, I'm going to do it. Don't worry. Send me your bank account information for the look. Nah, just buy me stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I said during May, can you schedule a thing for Patreon? Yeah, don't, don't. Oh, yeah, no, that date, that date, that date is going to be the 28th. (laughs) Luke, we got a big deal happening on Thursday. Do you know what's happening on Thursday? It's your birthday. Yeah, and you know what you're not going to do? Get you that book of poetry from John Paul II. Yeah. Yeah. Why would, I get it? Why would I get it for you now? <gasps> what if we did a dramatic reading of Roman <laughs> Triptych by Pope John Paul II? Oh, well, where is that? I'm like your John Paul II poetry with a speech impediment. Here we go. <laughs> did you want to talk about Fat Luke? Fat Luke? Oh, Fat Betty. Remember the the picture? I was like, good gosh, Luke. Oh, the picture. Okay. So, <laughs> you know what's so funny is I went to the chat originally to scroll up and be like, now, what was that <laughs> reminder? <laughs> Rebecca put it on here. And I'm like, dude, 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 dude. Oh, funny comment about absinthe. <laughs> gosh, pray for me. I am so broken. The other day, Shannon asked me a question. I just went, yeah. the uh... And she goes, where are you going? Where are you going? And I couldn't even hear her. And then I looked back at her and she, and I was like, wait, what were we talking about? And she, all the kids saw it. They were like, daddy, what just happened to you? And I was like, uh, 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 a fear of doctors and a lack of being medicated. Anywho. Um, <laughs> yeah, no working memory. It's fine. It's fine. Everything's fine. Thank you, Rebecca. So the picture, the picture that Luke is referencing was when we were in Michigan, Wisconsin, Wisconsin, not Michigan, uh, Michigan's event. I just got back. We were in Wisconsin. Did we, in a- did, Apple- we did two wonderful events. Yeah. Appleton. Appleton. Mm-hmm. Appleton and Tommy Green. Tommy Green. Tommy's such a fun dude. I love Tom. Tommy. Tommy is a Tommy's Patreon supporter, long-time listener, fan great of the guy. show, friend of the show. Love hanging out And with Tommy. he's getting ordained to the diaconate, like today, tomorrow. He is. Something. God bless him. That's amazing. Okay, so what about, okay, Fat Luke, Fat Luke. Let's focus. Stop doing whatever you're doing. Focus on Fat no, Luke. No, my whole comment was going to be to talk about when we went to Wisconsin, did the live show, did the young adult event, when we went back into that bar. That was the whole story? Yeah! <laughs> I just, this is not I just wanted to talk about that moment. It was We're so awesome. We're to find a deeper topic to discuss here. Oh, can we talk about what an awesome influencer I am? That no. I got the new You got Word another on new fire. one? Word on Fire does not like me. No, because you called Brandon Vaught a Pelagian heretic. And I did not call him a heretic. I said what You called were, him a Pelagian. I, I said I just didn't. Okay, whatever. That was 45 years ago. We've made, we've, <laughs> that was episode know. 99. Woo! Look That's at this. I'm so unboxing ridiculous. it. Okay, anyways. I'm unboxing this. You know what? It's sweet. It smells good. Oh, actually, okay. That just That's from a factory. But it is delightful. We're talking about different things now. 
Ah, okay. I told them that if they sent me a free one, I would talk about it on the podcast. So I just... <laughs> Why'd you tell them that I want one? Well, they don't like you. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm gonna be Look, in my. You can't head. run from your past. You can't run from your past. It, we right? we forgave and forgot. Well, I don't think anyone forgot. <laughs> <laughs> no one really... If they forgot, you'd be getting a sweet NRS. <laughs> probably true. This oh is my still... god! I was uh, expressing my dissatisfaction with certain things as a whole. No, 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 I understand. We had him on and talked it out. But I will say this. I will say this. I am a member of the the Institute of Word on Fire, and I have watched literally hundreds of hours on double speed, so more like 50 So are you paying for that? No, they also give that to me for free. (gasps) Why do you get all all I get is emails from Ascension and the occasional book I'm never going to read. No offense, Ascension. They're great. Thank you, Maria. Okay, I, I, I have a topic. We're going to revisit a thing that uh, Joe cut, and I understand why he cut it because it didn't fit, but now it's going, now it's going to Now it's going to fit. fit. Now it's going to fit. Okay. So, Joe, this is going to work. Keep, keep this in there, bud. All right, I want to talk about the process. So, what? What are you the laughing process. at? The oh, process. Jonathan wrote, Luke, you literally just explained why they don't send you things. <laughs> okay, let's, uh, no, no, you do your thing. I'm going to close. Chat, chat, I love you. My brain cannot. Uh, you cannot hand. You, I'm, cl- guys, I'm closing it down. I want I'm you to see what it it's down. like. Try to imagine you're having a um, conversation. It's like having. It's like 2011, and you're chatting, or like 20, or like 2009. You're chatting with a person who's still just like, man, this, this Twitter app is great. And you're at a bar, like, hey, you want to talk to your friends? No, no, I'm good. I'm just, you know, doing this thing. And you're like, hey, we're here. Your friends are in person in front of you. And like, yeah, no, 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 yeah, no. I just gotta, you know, tweet this. Double- <laughs> So, Luke, what were you saying? Okay, so your your boy Luke's been going through some stuff, and eventually we'll get to what that what that stuff is. This one is not day. that time. One day, one, one day, day, the water's going to wash it away. Oh. <laughs> and on that day, okay, so you know, I'm pretty much like a single dad right now, and half 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 the time. So, and it's been a very difficult, but also. And its own thing, rewarding experience in in a lot of ways. Um, you never really had a, you know for as good of a relationship as you could have when someone had a forty five a minute plus com- commute both both ways, and then this changed that. And now I don't have a commute, and it's a I, I just like it's way more fun. I love it. It's way more fun. It, it's exhausting or scary or blah blah blah. But there's this thing that's happening now where like she wants to watch television shows and I'm getting a little worried that she's watching a little bit too much because she was able to name all the characters. We were in this one store and they had like these um, Disney characters just named all of them in a row. And I was like, oh, no. Oh, how old is she? Three? Almost three. Yeah. Almost. So two. I mean, she'll be three in like like a month and a half. Okay. So like 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 she's close enough that like she's actually probably going to be bumped up to the threes at her preschools and stuff. And you know, a little bit earlier than they typically would and blah, blah, blah. So anyways, your boys had to watch a lot of Cinderella, a lot of, a lot of Moana, a lot of Beauty and the Beast. Did get her into um, Muppets of Mayhem, so that was cool. But we were watching Cinderella for the 20th time, and okay. I had this thought. I was like, you know, this is actually, it's a really, it's, it's, it's just like a good movie. Cinderella. In the, mm-hmm, the cartoon yeah. from the 1955. And Hale is like a classic film. Right. <laughs> So yeah, no, I love it. Oh, I thought you were being sarcastic. You're like, right? No, no, no. Oh, sorry. No, I was listening. I didn't no. mean to interrupt you, and I felt a little bad thing. Yeah, right. But no, I love it. I love Cinderella. I think Cinderella is awesome, and I think it's the only live action one that I like truly respect the hell out of. Yeah, I refuse to watch that one. So why? 
I just I, I I don't like any of the live. I'm on the team like no live actions. Uh, hey, uh, you 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 sold me. You don't have to say that. But I I love. I mean, you don't have to make an argument about that. I'm totally on board. But it, of of the live action ones that I've been required to watch, that's the best one in my opinion so far. I think it was the first one, right? I think so because I remember being like, oh, that's because it's a good story. So it like it's, yeah. And so it the tale as old as time. Yeah, right. Song as old as rhyme. Angela, what's her name? Astrid. No, that's that's what I thought as well. <laughs> what is her name? Totally different person. Everybody calls Anyway, her no, teapot. no. Okay, yeah. yeah. Teapot, teapot. Okay, so that is Mrs. Potts. Teapot, champ. <laughs> I found them. Now, anytime like she's just like almost sees anything, she'll she'll just go, "You found it!" Like that. So I'm like, it was there all along, kids. Be real. Guess who's back? Our good friends at Decided Excellence Catholic Media. Decided Excellence is a print media company that specializes in community and parish magazines. Through local business sponsorship, Decided Excellence is concerned with bringing the good news of Jesus Christ to homes and highlighting the actions of the body of Christ in the local community. Parishes partner with Decided Excellence Catholic Media to produce a monthly magazine that is sent to parishioners in Catholic-affiliated homes in the parish boundaries. Love that. Decided Excellence trains your staff to organize content from, from the parish. And let's be honest, your staff probably needs a training, and you, deep down in your bones, know, know this. But honestly, it shouldn't be that much extra work because someone is already doing this for the bulletin, hopefully. Every magazine's centerpiece is a family from the parish that the parish wants to spotlight. This is also an opportunity for parents. I should add those. Any little side comment is clearly coming from me, not from the ad copy, just so we're all very aware of this. This is also an opportunity for parishes to feature their own original content in evangelization and catechesis and to highlight the various ministries of the parish. There's an extensive Decided Excellence Library, which has articles from Bishop Barron, Scott Hahn, Relevant Radio, PrimeSoil.com, and much more in the event the parishes need additional content. Decided Excellence does all the designing, editing, and mailing for you. That's got to be a load off of your own shoulders. Am I right, old people in the back? A parish magazine is supplemental to the bulletin. Why it improves the bulletin. There's a good chance I wasn't supposed to read the bold part out loud, but here we are. The bulletin is available to people who go to Mass or search it out online. The parish magazine is the only way to reach 100% of your registered parishioners. I actually really love this idea, which is why, why, why we have them. We being decided excellent. Because of our professional design team and production team, the Parish Magazine is superior in beauty and quality. Our magazines are opened, kept, read, and shared. There are parishes all over the country who have created parish magazines, and parishioners love them. The magazine communicates the good works of the parish, strengthens community, and has even brought parishioners back to Mass. How to bring one to your, your parish. Check out decidedexcellence.com slash parish and fill out the information f- form. Talk about the possibility with your fellow parishioners, parish staff, and priest. Again, that website is decidedexcellence.com slash parish. D-E-C-I-D-E-D-E-X-C-E-L-L-E-N-C-E dot com slash parish. P-A-R-I-S-H. Decidedexcellence.com slash parish. Talk about the possibility with your fellow parishioners, parish staff, and and priests. Get on it. Let's, let's do it, people. Go to it. You can flip through a magazine to see what our magazines are like here by going to decidedexcellence.com. Again, that is decidedexcellence.com, D-E-C-I-D-E-D-E-X-C-E-L-L-E-N-C-E.com. Seriously, I'm actually, it would be kind of fun to do a Decided Excellence Catching Foxes magazine. What would that be? 
A lot of good intentions. All right. Anyways, thank you to our very good friends at Decided Excellence for sponsoring this here episode of Catching Foxes. So Everly likes to watch these shows. I, I really try hard to make sure it's not like too much, but I do want her to like, right. I think it's good for her on a language development, like all sorts of things. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to try to like actually like analyze these other films and when I was watch when I was doing that with Cinderella, I was like, "Man, this is so much more enjoyable when you do the work." Yeah, and I think one of the things that concerns me is that, like, okay, so let me tell you the concern, and then there's just the overall joy. So the concern is that we have other people do the do the work for us now. That instead of actually, I'm thinking about what we watch, we go to YouTube, we go to podcasts, we go to like whatever. Yeah. All that stuff is good. I would love to do more of those, but. I think if you are doing that and you're doing the work is actually when it's the most rewarding. And when you watch a film like Cinderella, it's very easy to dismiss it because it's animation, kids film or whatever, but it's not made particularly when that was made. It wasn't made to be a kids film. I mean, they were hoping that um, families would go, but when Disney was making stuff, it was things that everyone would go to and everyone would go and see. It was a whole family, you know, it kind of creates like the family entertainment. thing. Yeah. It wasn't children. It was family. Exactly. And so it's meant to be like the adults should enjoy this too because that's why the park is – it's meant to be enjoyed by adults and by, and by kids. And in, the, and in um, Cinderella, it's a, re, it's a really uh, – we, we talked about this on one episode that got cut. So I'm, gonna, I'm going to repeat some, some things here, but I, I'm doing it in a little bit of a different context now, which is basically okay. Cinderella, I think, is about the story of self-control and how far um, virtue can take you and how it can only take you so far. But it is important, but it can only go – so far and it can help you overcome evil it can help you deal it can help you deal with evil but ultimately what the only thing that can truly overcome evil is grace because you um so there's a very like so i was I've, again i've watched it a couple times so there's a line that hit me last week while i while i was watching it while the the evil stepmother goes above all self control and i was like Oh shit! That's what um, Cinderella does so well. She has amazing self control. She te- she tells the dog about how you know you could be mean to this cat, but don't be. Be better than that. She has every right to be angry, to not do what's asked of her, to fight back, and she doesn't. She shows self control. She carries herself with a ton with a ton of dignity, and that's not enough to stop her her evil stepmom or the her evil stepsisters from stopping being so evil towards her right it's not enough when all of, so that's like you know like man fails it's not enough for nature to overcome that you have all of the mice and the birds they all get together they make her a they make her a dress and all that stuff that gets that gets destroyed they're like you know like evilness even even destroys that it's not until that she's left with nothing that grace can finally come in and it's not that grace wasn't there before but grace is able to like completely step in that's what defeats evil and the real interesting part is that it's how grace transforms reality which is ultimately the final triumph because the first experience of grace for the most part is just like a temporary thing it's a very like real thing but it does end does end at midnight and then what's able to finally defeat the evils, not that they found almost Cinderella, but it's that she got to keep the glass of a slipper. The fact that she has that still 
that's the triumph over like grace made real grace is real, but grace made incarnate. That's the final triumph over evil that like finally um, sets her free. And even though like all of the nature stuff, they all try to stop even like the men that are there. I think they I'm a represent not men, but man, like I'm a humans. They yeah. can't overcome the evil because the evil like, and if you look at the evil, if you look at the evil stepmother, she has a ton of self-control, but her self-control is aimed towards evil ends. Yeah. And if you look at someone like Cinderella, who I'd argue even shows more like more self self-control, it is that combined with grace. When those two things come together, she keeps the glass on the slipper. She holds on to that hope. That's what finally defeats it in in the end. Going through all of that in my mind while having to watch those is a thousand times more fun than almost anything else I could do. Yeah. I I love doing this stuff, but that takes work. And that takes having to take a cartoon made in the 1950s and treat it with like a little bit of re respect and actually try to understand what is being said as opposed to trying to judge it on the surface. I think when you do the work, it is way more enjoyable. So I came out of the second Shakespeare play and I was walking home and I was like, you know what? There, there's an article here. So I did, it was like 1030, 1045 at night and I had to drive my kids' friends home and they live about 30 minutes from my house. And I'm driving and completely detached from them and I'm working this thing in my head about Shakespeare and what was it that I loved and was clueless about and what do I love even more? And it's kind of what you were saying where there's this moment of things that matter that will have cultural impact in the sense of like, there's a lot of things that have cultural impact because they're lowest common denominator, easy access. So think of mass culture, say pop culture, but mass culture has to be emotional and lowest common denominator and easy to step into, easy to appreciate because it can't be mass adopted and mass loved and mass purchased if it's difficult to fuss with it, right? If it's fussy at all, the masses can't adopt it. So I was thinking about that in terms of Shakespeare and why so many in terms of like, they just don't get into it. Why didn't I get into it outside of Julie? And it was because it's difficult. You got to like fight for the thing. Mm -hmm. But, but here's the other thing is I wasn't exposed to it growing up. Right. I didn't Mm. have the sonnets. I didn't have this stuff. And one of the things that the comments that they make in that podcast that I love so much, which my daughter has now listened to all the episodes, I think almost all, I know she's on the five of six episodes of much ado about nothing. The thing that was so amazing about it is like, first you hear it, first you experience it. You're like, Oh, that was difficult. That was weird. I didn't like that. That was funny. That was awkward. That was this foreign, whatever. But then you stick with it. Okay. This is important. I need to struggle with it. But then you begin to see like, Oh, okay. So I know obviously Shakespeare's a master, not an idiot. And then you start connecting threads. You're like, huh, what if it's like this? What if it's like that? Oh, grace and nature and, you know, man's pulling himself up by his own bootstraps. Be kind and be courageous. And like all the things that is Cinderella or the story of the two lovers, one's the anti-romantic and the other one is the romantic. Like, and what do they say about love and its constancy? Like all of these things, like they go through your head and it's amazing because what they said in the show was expose people to the form of the best. Like give people Shakespeare, give people Dante, give, give this up to children. And it doesn't matter that they don't understand it. They get the forms within them. Right. And when they have the forms within them, at least to a certain point, 
And then, then you explain it. Then you do an analysis. Then all of a sudden it's like, oh, oh, so that's what he was doing. Oh, and then you go back. And it's just like you said, then you get it for the third time, the fourth time, the fifth time, the 15th time. And now you can't help but make these connections, right? Well, and, and then it's, oh, sorry. No, but, but that's what I was going to say is like, that's what makes it like, it deepens the joy of it. When you're, when you're not just exposed to the matter of it, namely the words, the, the back and forth, even the acting and different versions of it, but you actually get access to the form itself of like the things that he is trying to say and that the play is trying to drive the points that they're trying to drive home for good or for ill or intentional or unintentional or, you know, just because the artist plays around with these, these um, meta narratives in ways that maybe he doesn't understand, but they come expressed this way. It is so powerful to then sit down and be like, look at this. Like, this is a fairy tale that spills over into Christianity or their themes align, or there are these overlapping points that illustrate a narrative like grace and nature and, and discipline and how, you can be very disciplined but unvirtuous. That is, you can lead it for vice. Kind of like that Nazi-esque regime that brought in order and discipline only to become a savage versus people bringing in order and discipline. And it's just fascinating that the more, once you experience a thing and love the thing, the going deeper into the thing only makes you love it. Super thrilled to welcome Sock Religious back to the podcast. Been a good hot minute since they have been on. I love these socks. You've heard of them. If you haven't, where have you been? They've been everywhere for the past couple of years. They're a great, great product and a really cool company. It all actually started with a conversation about donut socks. Uh, imagine that, where Sock Religious co-founder Scott Williams thought, I can wear socks for National Donut Day. How cool would it be if I could wear Saint socks on a Saint's Feast Day? Five years later, Sock Religious is a rapidly growing company that makes not only socks, but t-shirts, stickers, onesies, and coffee mugs. Their flagship product, Socks, come in a variety of sizes and styles. From one size fits most to kids' sizes, XL for those with extra large feet. Guess on the podcast who's got that. I am a size 10, but with a D width. So, you know. And no show styles. Ooh, big fan of the no show styles. Tell me more. There's a sock that can fit in anyone's sock drawer. If you appreciate good Catholic humor and puns, check out their t-shirts featuring saint and fun punny phrases like never go without your wingman with an image of St. Michael on it. That's really cool. And now I want to see more of their shirts. I am so curious. Father's Day is coming up and sock religious products are the perfect gift for your dad. Everly, now's the time to get on that. Your dad, your grandpa, uncle, brother, godfather, or, or priest. Step over to SockReligious.com and check it out. Use gift code CF15 for 15% off your order. That's going over to SockReligious.com, S-O-C-K-R-E-L-I-G-I-O-U-S.com, and check it out. Use the code CF15 for 15% off your order. Again, if you have not heard of Sock Religious, where have you been? They're a fantastic or organization with great products. I love their socks. I'm actually super excited to go and check out their other stuff. I'm really, really pumped. So I'm so thrilled to have them back on, on the show. Thrilled that you can get 15% off an order at Sock Religious by going to SockReligious.com and use the code CF15 for 15% off of your order. Thank you to Sock Religious UCF15 for 15% of your order for sponsoring this episode of Catching Foxes. 
and here's a really key part to all of this is that a lot of this is stuff that like we talked about last last week obviously but this is but i wanted to almost continue the conversation because there was so much there and i wanted to really take the time to think more about it and one of the things that i thought about was there's this quote from uh it's always been attributed to eleanor um roosevelt i have no idea if that's true or not but i just think it's really Really interesting. It goes, uh, great minds discuss ideas, average minds discuss events, small minds discuss people. Great minds discuss ideas, average minds discuss events, small minds discuss people. I've been very guilty on this podcast of thinking I'm talking about um, great ideas or talking about events where I'm really just crapping on people. I've done a lot. There is this thing where I think we're trying to, as a culture at times, talk about ideas, but we're doing so by bashing people. And I'm just not interested in, in it anymore. You're, well, it's not that you're not interested in it. It's that you see that it detracts from the real conversations that we should be having. Exactly. Like, even, even, like, you're very much interested in it. Do you know how I know you are? Because you're human, and it is very easy for you and I everyone to get caught up in these games of smug superiority or pride or vainglory or taking cheap shots or whatever it might be that's why we talk about people that's why we go after like it's so much easier to take a pot shot at this or that actress or this or that you know politician than it is to actually wrestle with ideas i'll never forget one day i was in line to go see a movie i can't remember what the movie was with my wife and i had just read a book i can't remember the book but the point of the book was like how at the origin of modern conservatism and modern liberalism is two conceptions of humanity. At conservatism, it's man needs society in order to restrain his worse nature. And at the heart of the liberal view is society actually generates man's worse nature. And so I was just explaining like the plot line of the book and you know, the, the, the point of like these, these contentious views and how they're expressed in literature. So like the further away in Lord of the Flies, they get from civilization after the boys crash right there in a private British school, everything is regimented for their lives. And the further, the more distance in time is the more they descend into chaos. Right. Whereas, you know, you have the other notions of like the natural man, um, is naturally good. Um, I think it's held that guy. People wouldn't say Robespierre, but Robespierre. Anywho, so those notions at its core, and we're talking about this right before we buy our tickets for some stupid-ass movie, and the guy in front of us, these two old guys, we're going to go see the same movie, and he stops and he turns around, he goes, he goes, I'm sorry, I can't help but tell you. I've been listening to you guys the whole time. I am shocked that I'm in America right now. And I was like, what? And he goes, an intellectual conversation in America? I didn't think that stuff happened anymore, right? But it was, it's just funny because having honest conversations about big ideas that are actually at the core of our actions, mm-hmm. societies, laws, mm-hmm. and events, and people, like, we don't do that very well. I mean, just look. I mean, look, look at all the big names on both the left and the right. And all they do is harp on people. Well, right? and, but, like, and here's the thing that, that, that I, I think is very important. Talking about ideas is a great thing to, to do. Only if it makes you a better person and makes the world around you better. And so here's, here's what I, I think it's great to talk about ideas that you aren't ever going to come into contact with or things that like, I think that's, I mean, obviously like to debate economics or other things that I have no control over, but just, it, it helps me understand yeah. the world a bit, which hopefully yeah. makes me a better person. 
hopefully this stuff in tiny well, in tiny ways will help me grow in like in virtue to be more like I'm a Cinderella and less like the evil stepmother. And that's the that's why this stuff is so important. I won't ever forget my my high school English teacher in 12th grade talking about why are, why are we reading Beowulf? It goes if you read this, you have an understanding of what it means to to like I'm going to suffer as a person. You have a better idea of human suffering. And I was like, okay, I'm I like I mean I was fully engaged with him. I'm like I'm down with him this idea. I don't quite see it yet in terms of how the, but now as an adult like I I get that. And to me, the whole reason why, like, especially in the, in, the, in the Catholic space, we're all creating content is because we want to be better people. We want our church to be better. We want our lives to be better. We want our spouses to be better. We want our, our, our kids to be better. We want our vocations to be better. We want all these things. And it's, no, it's not worth talking about this stuff if it doesn't make us better because then it just becomes noise. Like, that's the only thing I would add to this quote that I don't really – that I don't that I would disagree with, which is that like ideas are very good to, to talk about unless that's all you ever do. And then it's just gluttony. And if you have, if you have a gluttony of ideas, you're then you're just completely isolated and you're worse. You're like worse than doing all three of those, you know, than talking about talking about people. And that's why I get little, I I just really want to encourage people and myself, like think of like do the work. Even with when there's art that like I didn't like the Last Jedi, okay? Like I'm, I'm still, I think I'm on the fence of I don't, I don't, I'm like that. I wouldn't take Greg's um version that that he that he took, which was like, um, it's all about the creator's intent, and if you don't, and if you, if you don't like it, if and if you I'm gonna disagree with that, it's fine. But like you know, like anything else is dumb. I don't go that far. But I still think it's worth um, wrestling with the ideas that are in that. I still think the ideas that are in that are actually interesting, and they're more and they're more interesting than the ideas in the other two two films. In that, in that, I'm serious. And I think that the amazing thing about art is that, like, I really love how um, oh, there's something about in Dante about art that's like super interesting. They view art as basically like work, any form of work that like you make that that you create, and it's kind of funny, like. For the most part, in every piece of art, there's a little bit of truth, even if it's a distorted truth, even if their purpose is to try to like tell you there is like I can't stand it. And I, I remember being out in Denver, and we saw them, and this one place was going to do uh, like an art show on the Muppets. So me and my buddy Jim went, and I was like, I'm really hope that this is like not the Muppets on drugs, or they don't like I'm gonna sexualize them, which is exactly what it was, all but like one. And it was so annoying. It was like, why? There's no. Didn't, Wait, what was to, this? What's sex? What? They took they took the Muppets and there was art based on the Muppets. And I was. Yeah, it was just like, here's um, Gonzo actually on drugs. And here's Miss Piggy dressed in a weird dress. And I was like, yes, they're just f- ruining this. <laughs> like, what's. Yeah. But like, yeah. the tr- there was truth in that in the sense that here is a good thing that was dis- that was distorted for someone's almost selfish gain. So even in bad art, you can find truth. I don't have a problem with saying like I cannot partake or support this work because of this, this, and this. Okay, fine. Yeah, but I'm not going to entirely dismiss a thing because of who it's coming from either. Not saying that like we should, but like I, I do think when you can do the work to try to understand what stuff is, it makes your life better, even if it's coming from a thing you don't even necessarily agree with. Well, let me just say this. There is bad art. 
Like, yeah, there no, is I corrupting agree. art. There is art that that is. Let me use a term from the Last Jedi that is that subverts right and art that subverts the very notion of art. And I like I'm all in favor of abstract art. I'm all in favor. I mean, like I don't particularly like it, but I understand that there are artistic levels that are beyond me that I haven't studied yet that I don't understand. You know, Jackson Pollock was with fractals and all this stuff, even in his, in in the stuff that I just, you know, much of modern art, I just infuriated that someone spent tons of money placing a sock in way gallery floor. It's just ridiculous. Or the fact that what's his name put a, a toilet in an art exhibit and wrote modern art on the toilet and it sold for like half a million dollars. Like that's just crap. <laughs> okay, but there there is bad art. There is art that takes the the forms that artists play with. But the cool thing is, the amazing thing is that the human mind that apprehends these categories can find even good like we hunt for good things bad art mm-hmm. like automatically. Mm-hmm. And in in a, in a sense it might be to justify, but even in our justification they're they're groping after some good thing that is there and i think that for many artists you know it's like with the moralists say about the good like everyone even the person who is totally evil is still choosing what they think is an apparent good the problem the fascinating thing so you like dr jennifer frey and her podcast very much um, sacred and profane love yeah i love i i would love to just add her as a third part of i'm catching foxes because it is just (laughs) it is it is probably It has become a top five all-time podcast for me. I adore yeah, it. I, yeah, I and I absolutely it. love it. Yeah. So she talks, and she's on the Word on Fire Institute stuff with her theology of happiness, philosophy of happiness. But one of the things that she said, and I believe we brought the, I brought this up on the show, was she was speaking to a, a room full of artists, not just Catholic women. And she said to them, she was talking about beauty, and they were, she said, shockingly, they were fine with the idea of beauty and art. Because in the past, most artists weren't. But then she started talking about truth, and that's where they started to get upset. It's like, no, it doesn't have to be true. It only has to be true to me and my mind or whatever. Or it's only the statements that we're trying to say. And they had a very like Marxist view of truth. It's, truth is that it is anything that leads to the revolution, right? Like what, however they define that revolution. The proletariat. Truth has to um, subvert power somehow. Yeah, and it shocked her to see that they finally came around on the beauty thing but at the cost of the truth thing and the idea for the ideal for catholic art is that truth beauty and goodness are all united so for instance we had a friend who's kind of a stick in the mud who yelled at me for loving the godfather part one and two and he said you are immoral for liking the godfather part one and two unless you also like part three and i said what do you mean by that part three is annoying like it's not absolute crap but it's annoying and he said part three is where the main character michael is redeemed it's his redemption moment so what you're really saying is i love mob violence and corruption and i said no that's not what i'm saying at all what i'm saying is and this is the point of moralizing in art right moralizing doesn't express the good it it destroys a good story for the sake of some crappy moral and that's what this guy wanted and I was like, no, no. He teaches you the most moral lesson of all. 
which is power is corrupting. Here's a good guy, an army soldier, for crying out loud, who spent his whole adult life distancing himself from his criminal family. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. then his father is attacked. Okay, one little act of revenge. One little thing. I will do this. Now I'm now I, I killed this I murdered two people. Now I have to run away to Italy. Okay, now here I am. Now here's this beautiful half Greek, well, half Italian girl, and now she gets blown up. Ah, misery. Can I just like add, like add something really re- really really quick about this? Like the fascinating thing of like one of the reasons why the Godfather is so good is is that does Michael ever actually love Kate? <laughs> In the beginning, yeah. does he love Kate? I think he does. Or do you say okay? I think he does in the beginning. I think he is attracted to her. I think she is a Protestant, blonde-haired, white American girl. She represents the all-American girl. Exactly. That, that he's trying to become. He's trying to, yeah, he would. He probably has. Not to become an all-American girl. That'd be if it was made today. But he's no, but he to has become, like no, yeah. yeah, no problem. Like he pulls her into the family, into the photo when they're just a, a dating couple, which I can tell you. People are not big fans of having a person that your that your mom is dating in your wedding photos, but it's fine. Not bitter about that at all. Uh, <laughs> but it it like, I think he's more in love with the idea of her, and when that idea starts yeah. to die, his his interest in her starts to die until his true love dies, and then he just needs to have a wife just because that's what he's got to do. She's just another box to check on the role he's got he has that he likes to play of being the family Mm -hmm. family man i think i think i think he values his like his family but the only way he can do it is through this lens of i I need to have this 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 and this and he's so saying his true love was the half greek half italian yes her monday tuesday thursday wednesday wednesday (laughs) kabloom (laughs) so long (laughs) we have missed you but Help like, I, but going back to art, right? Like, there is art that corrupts. Like the famous piss Christ thing that won the National Institute of Art award, where the guy no, took a and picture I'm, of a crucified Christ and put it in a jar of his own urine. Don't worry, that guy designed not one but two Metallica covers, load and reload. He ejaculated on a thing and then covered it with his own blood, and that's what the cover is. Oh, so that's horrific. But I um, never Andre got into Serrano. But like, I'm not trying to say that right. like there's no such thing as corrupting art, right? I, no, but what I what I mean is like when they get into these areas of like, there's these levels of truth mm-hmm. that we desperately want to find. Yes, like, and that's the human experience. And to deny that, that's where I find like art that actively tries to deny that is is bad art because. Human beings are like, oh, I think it's the artist's expression against a, a tyrannical system of, okay, yeah, sure, they just took their own hair and stapled it to a, you know, whatever. But, like, but that, that, that's what we do because we need that. The transcendentals are written in our guts, in our viscera, mm-hmm. right? In our stomach lining, right? Like, you can't escape the desire for truth. So we constantly justify even corrupting art, you know? And I and I I actually really do ap- appreciate you saying because I think I was getting a little bit close to that that I was like just like in, engage with all art and there is a part of me that like wants to do that but where I tend to draw the line obviously is like when you take when you turn the sacred into profane yeah and that's not just religious items I think there's there's right. like other things which I think is some of Matt Frad's really good like he gives you some good ideas to wrestle with about like oh, about um, UFC fighting and just you know things like that like 
what we're like art we shouldn't take what is what is sacred and and have it become and turn it into a profane thing like well it's art so it's it's covered yeah. it's it's like i don't agree with comedians who say that and this is now a very big conservative talking point that comedy is like all things are go with with in comedy i just don't agree with that i think there are certain things that you there, you should not make jokes about i think it's i think that's a lot less than what people may want and i probably don't yeah. agree on what those things are but i just i will not like sit and listen to a person like make jokes about like god or actually like profane jokes about our lord or about other things that are like i just think that's too far and i will not listen to that and I, i've tr- i turned off unmark Marin special i i love Marin. he's still one of my favorites i'm like I'm, I, I and i knew where he was going i was like i, I just i'm not i tried it. to listen to to re whatever his name is the go into a yeshiva and in jerusalem and all this stuff and then he just went so like gross and graphic and i was like i can't i'm yeah. trying i'm not easily offended like my goal is to be very difficult to offend because i know that most of the time when people speak deeply evil and perverted things they aren't doing it because they are profaning something sacred i mean, I mean the word profane means to take what is in the temple bottom in latin and to put it pro in in front of the temple so it's like you take a sacred thing you throw it and you and you profane it right you take a chalice and you put coca-cola in it. sure but the the idea of of a lot of that stuff like it's funny because like it is very difficult for me to want to say yes comedians should not talk about this because i do know like for instance this this book that i'm reading he who fights with monsters that the guy is liberal he, he keeps a he he keeps the story enough that you don't like really think about those things, but he like brings it up a, a, like a handful of times, especially in the later books. And I appreciate it because the later books are going to war with the thing called the church of purity. And it's like, Oh, these stupid religious fanatics. I got a bunch of those back in my old world earth and blah, blah, blah. And I think about that from time to time. And I'm like, yeah, but the stuff that he's saying is not wrong sometimes, you know? And so I, it's funny because, I feel like I stand on the opposite side of you and what you just said. Like, I don't need to like the jokes and I don't find them funny, but I don't ever want to tell a comedian that they're not, not that I don't want to tell a comedian because that's not what you said, but there are certain things I like, I don't know what's off limits because I still feel like I can learn from them. Like hearing John, Mul- uh, what's his name? Yeah, Mul- John Mulaney. Mulaney make fun of his rehab experience Mm -hmm. which i just saw a clip of and i was like oh my gosh like i know so many people who either went to rehab or need to go to rehab that they would be you know their family members would be deeply offended by but i'm just like but this is how this guy processes and there is what you know what's super interesting about the you know john mulaney stuff is i saw some stuff with nick kroll i'm not sure that nick kroll is who's one of the people at his intervention it's like thrilled that he's doing it oh yeah and which that might sound like i'm talking about people but i'm not because this is a very public thing. I think it's worth dis- discussing because I think you're right. I think John Mulaney needs that. And there's a part of me that it's going through some stuff right now that I'm like, I don't actually know if I agree that John Mulaney needs to be doing this, but, but yeah. like, I don't know John Mulaney's heart. I don't, I isn't that funny though? Isn't that funny? Like you can like that, that human nature of you that longs to like see him healed because you love him. as 
Mm-hmm. You have your parasocial relationship. You've always liked him. Yep. And it's Love like, him. oh, Johnny boy, is this getting too near exhibitionism and voyeurism into your, into your, like, maybe you just need to take a big freaking break and not make jokes about your rehab. Maybe you need to go off into a cave somewhere like St. Francis and recover yourself. But, but okay, but take like, yeah. take my own crap. There's a lot of people that like were mad when I came back and everything that was going on. Like in my life, I'm trying to be very careful here. But like, I remember telling you, I'm, I'm like, I'm dying. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm dying without this. And if like, and I, I spoke with tons of priests. I spoke with tons of people about like, you know, the, here's, here's yeah. what's going on. I want to keep doing this. Me and Gomer feel like we can. And I really, I really felt like we were pretty prayerful about that. Yep. And we both like, yep. yeah, it's like, okay. And my, like it's and my experience of that was me and you, the break you took from the show and all that stuff. It was, and, and all the conversations we had offline, which is so weird. Can't monetize that. <laughs> I know. Right? Ah! <laughs> I tried to make jokes about that. And some people were not happy about it. <laughs> yeah. But I will say this, screw all of those because they don't understand. And that's what I feel like in certain areas with art is art, if it is personal, can be, you know, especially performance art, mm-hmm. can be very risky. Like Shakespeare did some very risky in the context of what he was doing in it. And saying some very important things, sometimes you have to be irreverent, sometimes in order to. And by irreverent, I don't mean actually blasphemous. Or offending the things of God. I mean attacking the things that Pharisees would find reverent because they're pietistic, not because they're pious. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that outward form, but not the interior life. Mm-hmm. And Christ started with the heart. That's the thing I say in all my Every Knee Shall Bow episodes. Is the season that I did without Van Bickle going solo, it was like this really drove home the point that the real enemy is me, is my selfhood my ability to constantly want to shove myself in front of everything. So returning to that conversation of art, I think there are, there is art and then there's entertainment. And I think they, that line is very blurry between the two, like poetry. T.S. Eliot said is superior amusement. He wouldn't find it some like snooty highfalutin, you know, whatever, but it's, it's superior amusement. But at the same time, you know, Shakespeare plays were put on for a penny at the Saturday matinee, and the average person, as well as the well-to-do, came to. So, what is real art? I think the lasting. Can I interject? I think that's yeah, important please, to please. also recall is that what Shakespeare, the stuff that he is doing, the content that he's making his plays about, like the style, the yeah, like genre, if you will, those were the popular. Like I, I remember my yeah. English professor telling me in college, these were the CSIs of the time. He's just doing it way better than anyone had ever done. Yeah. CSI. No, I missed it. I was like verbatim. CSI Las said. Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. He was like, it's just. Not the guy. Not Miami where he puts on a sunglasses. No. But I, I, just, I just think it's funny. I think like we'll, we will um, view Shakespeare as this like, this guy did this. And it's like, well, he's just doing the like what was uber um, popular. He just did it in a way that just transcended so much. Yeah. But see, it's the transcending thing. That makes the difference. Mm, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. you can do a play about lovers falling in love and being tricked and girl falsely accused, et cetera, et cetera. But when he did it, he talked about timeless truths in a way. See, this is the artist thing. This is why I love the Bible. And people don't who don't love the Bible don't who are Christian, Catholics, right? You don't get that it's polyvalent. Like you can you use symbols to tell 
five stories with one sentence, right? And that's why like true art is so powerful because there is this mode where the interpreter comes with their life and says, not just what is the text originally trying to say, but what is it saying to me right now? Eisegesis, all that. And then the more you get into exegesis, well, this is the first century and this is what you're doing. All of a sudden, it's just like studying Shakespeare and learning more about him. All of a sudden, you're like, holy crap, there is so much more. And it applies to me even more now, right? Like the more you uncover, the more you lay it out, the more meaningful it becomes, not less. The more you get it historically situated, the more you try to understand the theology of first century Second Temple Judaism, right? But the the I, I wanted to go back to this art versus entertainment thing, not verse entertainment, but art and entertainment. well, yeah, it's a, it's it's a very important juxtaposition, right? Because art and and this is a thing that I think is the make or break. Art ought to uplift. Entertainment can meet you where you're at. Entertainment can bring you up. Entertainment can bring you low. But the point of entertainment is to be entertained. The port, the point of art, I would say, is to be enlightened. Yeah. Right? Yep. And so I go to the movie theater to watch Super Mario Brothers, not because I desire art, even though the actual artist who designed and cel-shaded the, the, the things, I mean, they are, they are engaging in the craft, right? But there's something contemplative that surpasses the work of entertainment, right? I passively receive entertainment that other people work to produce, but with art, just like this damn Shakespeare play living rent-free in my mind, I keep contemplating it. Like Don John's character, I'm a plain-dealing villain. I only eat when I'm hungry. I laugh at no man's jest, right? Like he goes on, he goes through it. And to me, that's the thing is the relationship between art and contemplation. He who sees the most, as Von Balthasar said, he who sees the most wins. And contemplation is the receptivity that you always talk about. It's that receptivity at the foundation of art. And when art detaches itself from the contemplative, that's where I think you get that corruption. That's where I think art can only be high entertainment, right? You know, high art. What does that even mean? Fussy abstract nouveau whatever <laughs> right like but as the word nouveau and i'll be honest with you i know you do, I I really know you do. do. but that's, that's my fan. thing that's my thing and joseph peeper had a book on it love and art love uh only the lovers sing only the lovers sing and he talks a lot about this relationship between- well and that's why I, I like it when we have these conversations that we interject the actual art in there because i think you get to experience that you get to um, see it for a bit and it's like after a while talking about ideas will just drive will just drive you nuts and scene. And <laughs> all right. Thank you to our sponsors. Thank you to Andy's Saint Magnets for sponsoring the podcast. Again, make sure to check them out. Thank you to everyone over at Net for sponsoring this podcast. If you feel called to be a Net missionary, or Love or if, uh, or if you know a person who does, we very we really encourage you to go to Net's website. It's very easy to um, find. It's in the ad. I am forgetting it right now, but. That is great. Also, thank you to Sock Religious for coming back and sponsoring the podcast. That's very, very exciting. Thrilled to have them. What a funny sponsor because just this morning, my son Noah came downstairs to my wife. Noah, put those socks in the laundry right now. He's like, no, no. And there was Sock Religious socks. He'd been wearing them for three days straight. I was like, Noah, 
Your underwear and your socks are those things that have to be changed daily, bro. Like, um, that is just tell him that Luke going through a hard time in 2023 and 2022 disagrees. Will not. I will not tell him that. <laughs> you tell him that, sick freak. Uh, listen, <laughs> Shannon understands. Can I tell you how much fun it is to talk to you and her like on the phone? That was just, I like five minutes. was so much fun. You know what? The next episode, we should have her on the we show. We should have we her should. on the show because I did an episode with we her. We should. That <laughs> Actually, that that would be a lot of fun. That would be, that'd be a lot of fun. Okay. So, all right, everyone. Thank you. I'll pray about for, it. For listening. <laughs> You'll just be being here. I'm talking like, remember when we were cool and young? Yeah, I don't remember when you were young, but still, do you remember when I was young and cool? <laughs> <laughs> all right, y'all. God bless. Right. Luke, I'm out. Bye. I love you. Did you remember to hit record? Yeah, oh my gosh. I, I had to like have a second one. <laughs> Thank you for everyone from, from Patreon who watched. You guys are the best. Bye. What if we did the entire jeweler shop? Me and you. I actually would love that. And you played all the female characters, and I played all the male characters. <laughs> Is it because of my bosoms, or now they were a C, now they're a B? <laughs>